0: Height Zone World. Episode one. Episode one. Starring Easy Jackson. Starring Easy Jackson. Let's go in. This is Height. Thank you for tuning in to Height Zone World, Episode 1. My guest today is Baltimore's own Easy Jackson. We're gonna be heading out on the Continental MC's tour in September. If you live on the East Coast, we're coming at you. So check out heightwithfriends.com for these tour dates. It all starts at the Metro Gallery in Baltimore on September 5th. So mark these calendars. This episode is sponsored by The Lineup Room, a recording and mixing studio located in Baltimore, MD. Let's do it.
1: I grew up in Baltimore City. East East Side in the beginning. I I was born in New York. I was born in Manhattan, New York. We moved right. here when I was nine, and uh, we lived in East Baltimore uh, for a few years. But uh, mostly spent most of my time in West Baltimore. Do you remember a lot of shit from New York? Yeah, when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, you know, it's my earliest memories, and I think has a lot had a lot to do with my. That was where I got my love for hip hop because you know in the mid in the 80s it was that was the that was the mecca, you know what i mean? like yeah. it was it was everywhere, you know what i mean? park jams, um cyphers, random cyphers, you know my first first time i saw a cypher before people started calling them cyphers in the 90s, you know what i mean? it was uh it was in new york, so so i remember a lot of it. and that's in manhattan. Manhattan and Brooklyn. I lived yeah. in Lafayette Gardens Projects, uh, Coney Island Projects, and um, and I was born in Washington Heights. Oh wow, in Manhattan. Do you, and were you the oldest? Um, I am the fourth born of nine children. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, for a long time, I was the oldest at home. Uh, yeah. My grandmother raised my older my three older brothers, uh, for the most part. Did the older kids stay in New York, or
0: did they? Did like everybody come down? No, here they had, they
1: had moved to Baltimore uh, way before. But they moved to Baltimore before I was. They moved back to Baltimore before I was even born. My mother's yeah. originally a Baltimore girl. You know what I mean? Like she was she was born and raised in Baltimore. Okay, and uh, she met uh, she met her second husband, and and he was. They both worked for the Congress of Racial Equality. Okay. Um, in the 70s. So that's how she got to New York. And um, and uh, when I was about five or six, we got put into foster care. And that was for like three years. And then my mother got, got custody of us again after she moved back home, back to Baltimore. She was able to win custody of us by, you know, Showing the course that she was trying to start a new life and get away from my father, who at the time was like abusive and alcoholic and drug addict, you know, and it wasn't a safe environment for us at the time.
0: But did he come back to Baltimore? He lives in
1: Baltimore now. yeah, and He's been sober for like three or four years. Oh, now like he's like a totally different (laughs) old dude. But yeah, he was wild in his younger days. Mm. So, you know, that, you know, that's a whole other story. But yeah, it's crazy. You came down here when you were nine. Yep, and moved to Baltimore when I was nine.
0: To like what? What part of Baltimore?
1: We lived at five thirty-four East North Avenue, which was the corner of North and Boone, which is now Boone is I don't think Boone is called Boone anymore. Before it was like between Boone and Greenmount, but somehow I think now Boone is like an extension of Greenmount. Oh, okay. It was like a short yeah. street. It's like a short street right across from the cemetery. It's like oh, if you cross Green Out, we lived on the next corner and that building is not there anymore.
0: I guess you were kinda old enough that so you remember another place. so you kinda came into Baltimore like as if it's this new zone or something?
1: Yeah, man. Like, I remember um I remember being in the third grade. I think I was like in the third grade when I knew that my mother was getting custody of us. Yeah. And that we were about to move to Baltimore, Maryland. And I thought, and I I remember telling my friends in school that I was moving down south, and I was gonna be riding horses and farming, and uh and I thought I thought because I thought yo, yo when you grow up in New York like you think everything south of New York yeah. is just like slow Southern living, and uh and we moved here in like December, and I remember like a couple nights after, um moving and living on North Avenue. I remember a couple nights after moving down here hearing, like, gunshots in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, shit, this is just like Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. You moved around a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, we moved around a lot. Like, every every year... I would say every year... Yeah, every year of my elementary school, uh, I was in a new school. I was a new student. And then... Um, middle school was the first time that I stayed somewhere for three years. I went to Southeast Middle School, which I don't know what it's called now, but it was like, it's like right before Dundalk, like, uh, near like O'Donnell Heights area off of Eastern Avenue. Oh, okay. Like that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we moved around a lot. Is that where you did the... This is how we carry it. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. My first, my first rap show. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, I told you that before? That's yeah, cool. Yeah. So that's, that's crazy you remember that. Um, yeah, my first rap show was in the eighth grade. Uh, I was in a group called Five, five Dimensions. And um, we had four rappers and one dude just who was just like a beast on the bongos. And uh he liked to just, you know, he play it with his hands or he play it with sticks, but he could he would, he would rock. And uh and and we did it, yeah, the song was like we we walked on stage and it was just like, This is how we carry it, this is how we carry it, this is how we carry it. Then when we got to the middle, it's like, This is how we carry it, yo, how we how we carry it. 'Cause at the time Miss Tony had, uh Miss Tony said, How you wanna carry? it. Yeah. So it was like our answer record to Miss Tony, like, this is how we carry it. <laughs> 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 that's awesome and
0: that's okay so you're in like Dundalk basically doing that
1: yeah like, kind of not yeah. not, not exactly quite Dundalk, Dundalk but yeah like, like yeah like East Baltimore pretty much and yeah. is it like a diverse area is it, was, it, is it, it, yeah. was, it was it was it was it cause we had um that was the first time since I had been in school in New York that I was in school with uh with puerto rican kids and hispanic kids you know yeah. what i'm saying like latino kids and um so southeast was really diverse because you had you know of course Hollandtown was near there um so you had a very like mixed like white and greek population yeah. at the school and then you had the black kids kind of catching the bus from you know the the more hardcore east baltimore you know yeah uh, Lafayette Projects, we lived on McEldery at the time, and you know what I mean, Uh, Flag House, and kids that, like, lived around, you know, over that way caught the bus out there, so it was real, like, and then, then, of course, you had O'Donnell Heights, so it was, like, black kids, white kids, Hispanic kids, you know what I mean? So, so,
0: rapping was, like, so that was your first experience, but, like, of like performing but th- that was my
1: I, I would say that was my first- yeah that was my first experience of performing as a rapper right like right. i had i had been singing before that, oh okay yeah i i'm I sing a little bit yeah. and um i'm a- i'm I'm working on getting better once I put these cigarettes down, but um i had um when I was younger I had like kind of like a Michael Jackson, Tevin Campbell type kind of voice. Yeah, and um, and I would sing. I would do, you know, I had done shows singing, but that was my first time doing a show as a rapper. And in I, middle school, you in done middle school grade. shows singing. Yeah, okay. I I I mean, I rapped at home and around the way and stuff. Yeah. but like. Never, like, on stage, you know what I mean? Yeah. In eighth grade, that was that was my first big show. And we won. We won that competition. And it was like... I, <laughs> this is funny. I remember my seventh grade teacher... No, my... Yeah, my eighth grade teacher... I had a seventh grade teacher. But Miss Goodwill was angry that we won because there was a girl who was... Her and her sister were, like, really, really talented. Like, and one of them, like, played, like, Beethoven or some shit on the piano and then like the other girl like played like the violin or some shit like and they killed it. But nobody gave a fuck. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? It was like, this is how we carry it sent the gym into a frenzy. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like and I have tape I have a there's a tape somewhere that exists of the show. And like literally like you can like you can hear the excitement in the gymnasium. Like right. the, the, the the once we start, once I started rapping, and that's when I knew that I was like, okay, I want to do this because I, the rhyme started off. I said, Hickory Dickory, what's up, Doc? You had your chance. Now I'm about to rock. A little easy on the stage. Watch me take my place as I kick this funky rhyme all over your face. And when Ooh. I hit that part, as I kick this funky rhyme all over your face, you just hear the whole gymnasium go whoa. go easy go easy go easy and I'm just like I'm rapping nobody's listening to it but those first like four bars was enough to like convince that whole gymnasium that like shit was dope so like from there I just was like, all right, this is this is what I want to do because the girls liked to hear me sing, but everybody was down with the rap shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like dudes dudes, I was hanging around was never like, yo, can you can you sing that little m- melodic tune? <laughs> right, can you right. sing that Jodeci shit for us real quick? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just the girls, you know? Yeah. But like everybody wanted to hear me rap. So that was like, I was like, okay, cool. I can do this. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: It's crazy, like the teacher, like, like in what world would like the girl do the like classical piano shit and like the whole
1: crowd would be like
0: Oh, oh. yeah right 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 like <laughs> we, yeah it's
1: like okay that's that's nice that you could do that but right, i mean right. you talk you talking about a gym full of uh middle school kids yeah, yeah. they don't want to hear no damn beethoven like you <laughs> feel me <laughs> so i i'm just curious like like if you were already
0: performing now and then before that singing like what like what in like other talent show
1: kind of things yeah other little like talent that. shows um i remember i sang uh been the year before at the school talent show and um and that's how i got my first uh my first uh puerto rican girlfriend mary mary was like she was like blown away by my singing and i was ecstatic about that because mm. she was puerto rican mm. <laughs> and she was gorgeous and uh so so yeah like that so i had done like little little stuff at school um my mother was in alcoholics anonymous so they have like the alan on i guess i'm not supposed to like say that out loud but no no because it's anonymous but everybody knows oh, really? about alcoholics anonymous yeah but uh, yeah. So they they would have like this Al Anon thing every year, where like you know the the alcoholics and family members of alcoholics could perform. And my mother would. All of us had something to do in the talent show, except maybe my sister Ebony. But like she would, like I I sang. My little brothers like rap. They did crisscross, and I like prepped them and had them with their pants on backwards and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, we've always been performers. My mother's yeah. a poet. My mother's a poet. My father's a painter and a singer. Mm. So, you know, so we've always been, you know, engaged in the arts in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah. Was it kind of an active thing where your parents kind of, like, it w- maybe would not be like that if it wasn't for your parents, like...
1: Oh, no, yeah, totally. I, thought, I, I, I you know, I think I think at some point I probably would have figured out, you know, I mean, I probably would have I, I think I would still have a passion for it because it never felt like something that she was forcing me to do. Right, you right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was always like but she never yeah, so so it was, it was like I, I you know, it's funny. You asked me that, it's making me think about the first poem that I wrote. Mm the first poem that i wrote i i sounded exactly like my mother like i wrote a poem that was like carbon copy my mother's poetry yeah it was like 6th grade and she told me straight up like she listened to it and she told me straight up as soon as i finished she was like don't sound like me don't try to write like me write like you find your own voice find your own style and I was I was kind of I was really surprised by that response because I, I you know I, I almost thought I was honoring her by like saying hey I'm a poet too yeah and she's like no Slim you're not you're a copycat <laughs> like don't even do that by in the SMC like <laughs> that's actually that's like a really powerful thing that
0: have happened to you you know
1: yeah it's funny because like uh, now as an adult my like people. In my family, they laugh because they know that I cannot tolerate untalented children. (laughs) I don't don't clap. I don't congratulate them after the show. I don't bullshit their parents. I don't say anything. You Mm. know what I'm saying? Because I know how it was as a child, you know what I'm saying, for my mother to be very real with me and Mm. us about what we were good at and what we were not good at. That's why I say everybody in my family except maybe my sister Ebony because... She didn't sing or, you know, she wasn't interested in, like, any of that shit. So, yeah. So, you know, um, and my mother was very honest with her, you know what I mean? When she was, you know, when she tried to sing, she told her she sucked, you know yeah, what I mean? And, yeah, and, uh, and, and so now that shit has me like that, like I'm kind of an asshole. My, my daughter just did Annie at her school and no bullshit, like she fucking rock. And I was so proud of her. But if she didn't, I would have told her, like, this might not be your lane. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to tell them early, you know what I'm saying? Because then you have those stupid ass, like, American Idol clips where people are standing up there, grown ass people, really auditioning for this fucking, you know, uh, show that's going to be broadcasted all over the world and nobody in your... Thirty-eight years has told you that you cannot fucking sing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like yo, like you do not sound good. Like, <laughs>
0: but it's yeah, it's it's a fine line because it's like I feel like I've seen so many people that I've that I've been like, rapping is not for you. Yeah, like, and then five years later or something, they're still doing it and they're tight. Yeah, or they're like, maybe I don't think they're
1: tight, but they're like. Getting better. moving forward better. And, yeah. and people like them or yeah. wh- whatever it is you yeah. know and, and it's, it's like you can definitely improve and i think you yeah. can always see where there's room for growth with certain people and then i think other people if they're passionate enough about it and they're dedicated enough and they're studying like technique and all that stuff then they get better but there's there's some kids that you just know right away like yo dude that's that's not your lane yeah like i was always like you know, tall for
0: my age, so I'd always be like, like be putting this like basketball shit. Oh <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> it really wouldn't, it really wouldn't like bother me if someone had been like, "You're whack." I, oh, I'd like, be like basketball. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. "Oh, cool." Like, yeah, like <laughs> I don't. know You know, to do that's this funny. We have that
1: in common because I'm, I'm, I'm the shortest of my brothers. I think. Yeah. And so my brothers were all basketball players, but I never was good at basketball. Like, I, I'm good at defense. Yeah. And I might can, like, pop a jumper here and there, but I never had a problem with, like, people laughing at me on the court and stuff. Yeah. Like it was embarrassing a couple of times, but for me, it was like, I'm just out here getting a workout. I'm just, I just want to run up and down the court and play. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. <laughs> if I remember it right, I don't think it was ever, like, traumatic. Like,
0: I'm, yeah. I wasn't, like, I hate this or I'm humiliated. Or it was just like, all right, I just get with these guys and, like, run back and forth right. for a couple of hours.
1: I was um I was on my middle school basketball team and uh, uh I remember we had this game against Francis Scott Key and um they whooped our ass like real bad and it was my first time like losing in sports and I, it, but it was the time that I realized that I was not an athlete because when I was like pissed and when we walked. You know, you got to walk by and like give, give the other team dap. Yeah. I mean, they do that gay ass like, like dap line and shit. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't dap nobody up. And my coach, like, yo, my coach went off on me when we got in the locker room. He's like, yo, a sore loser. You can't be a sore loser playing this sport. And he made me the scorekeeper. <laughs> I got dropped from like yeah. second string point guard to scorekeeper and it was no big deal kind of no it wasn't I, yeah. I was there i was there keeping score like next game i was happy to be keeping score yeah. it was like i'd rather be on the side keeping score than out there getting my ass whipped at, in my mind at that time i was thinking like why would i dap you up for just like embarrassing me right <laughs> like why is that cool like that's not yeah. you know what i mean And my coach is all like, sportsmanship! (laughs) Like, man, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a rap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I remember you telling me about, like, which I thought was really interesting, like, 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 Inner Harbor ciphers and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. When, like, when did stuff like that come in the mix? you know Um, is that like still middle school probably like
1: no that was definitely high school that was definitely high school it was like 95 96 I want to say and uh, there was like New Testament there was um, LMS there was Concrete there was uh, uh, Charm City you know a couple other crews that um, was moving around and you would see them out at the time New Testament was my favorite you know locally like i really i really like seeing them brothers out I, I really enjoy watching them mm. um go at each other and uh this is before the harbor was like you know tourist in the harbor was like you know now it's like it's so focused on the tourists and it's a great like tourist attraction i feel like right. when i go down there but Back in the day, it used to be the inner harbor. It was used to be our inner harbor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but the ciphers, after a while, started. I think they started to get out of hand because we would we would be down there like, you know, eleven, ten, eleven, midnight on a Friday, Saturday night. And if yeah. you're thinking about like dudes coming from all different parts of the city to come down there and spit, you know, it's going to be a lot of stuff that come with that. You know, that's that was actually the Third time in my life that I had uh, seen somebody get killed. Oh, Christ. It was, like, going down there to try to, you know, try to get in the cipher. Yeah. It was, like, 98, summer 98, and um, I remember me and my homeboys, we was walking, like, walking towards, you know, where the cipher was going to be, and these dudes came running past us, and one of them bumped into my man, It was kind of a hothead you know what I mean and he like turned around was like yo what the fuck like and they kept going they didn't turn around they didn't look yeah and so we kept walking and then we see like blood on the ground and follow the trail of blood and it's this dude who just got stabbed in his neck because he was eating up this other MC in a battle Oh, my God. Yeah. And, that, I mean, that had happened, that, like, at that time, that had happened a couple times in a couple different places in the city. Like, I remember somebody got shot over West one time. I wasn't there, but I remember hearing about somebody getting, like, shot in the cipher, like, for, you know what I mean, going in. So that was that was when, I think after that, the Inner Harbor started to kind of, you know, crack down on people coming down there late at night. Because there used to be a place where you could bring your little drink you know what I mean? A little friend or something, a little blunt. Yeah. Sit on the bench, you know, look at the water late at night and nobody yeah. bother you, you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. But I think after that they started to say, Okay, you know, we want to make this more like an attractive site, you know, and right, so right. that kind of stuff just wasn't wasn't allowed no more.
0: And what see it's it's really interesting to me, like you you didn't happen to hear that secret weapon Dave mix, did you, that he just put out? Mm mm. It's it's really it's really tight. He put out like best of best of nineties Baltimore mix really? kinda. Oh yeah. man, I gotta yeah, I gotta listen. So it's now. like it's like a lot of dude it's like you know, like Lab Tech One, Pen mm-hmm. Pals, like like a lot of a lot of stuff that you would definitely recognize from like eighty eight point nine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Uh, but then other stuff that's just off the wall, like crazy shit that never oh I gotta hear that you know I yeah gotta it, hear that. it's
1: good but it's like shout out to Secret Weapon Dave that's yeah. my man but it's like
0: it's like I, it it makes me so curious like cause you were kind of around back then not yeah. like like at the you know the very very beginning of your journey you know like 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 say like the Cypher stuff like like the, the group she named would they be like Dudes that had like the twelve inch out or something, or like what like what were they doing? Yeah, I, exactly? yeah. Then
1: then you could you could probably like some of them some of them would have just the cassette tapes that you would have to get from one of them. You know, you have right, to buy right. from one of them hand to hand. Yeah. Or and then others you could go down to uh, Metro or any of the little record stores. Like I forget the name of the record store that uh, what's oh, my man? The white DJ from here. Uh, Scotty B? Scotty B. Yeah, Scotty. The, the joint Scotty B was working at there on Howard Street. You could go down oh, there back in the day. What is that called? I think it was Metro or Metro 2 or something like that. Like I can't remember the name of it, but I know Scotty B used to be in there like spinning during the day sometimes. Yeah, and, I can't um, think
0: it's, yeah.
1: So you could go there and get like local shit. Yeah. And Soundgarden was always, I don't know. if I, don't, I used to go to Soundgarden back then. I, can't, I I don't remember going to Soundgarden back then. I think I went to Soundgarden more like early 2000s, started going there. Okay. But yeah, definitely like Howard Street had a couple spots back in the yeah. day where you could go and find like local music. Rice's Town Road Plaza had another spot. Mondama had a spot in there. Um, You know, there was a couple places you could go and get like, you yeah. know, you could find local local shit.
0: What was the place that it was like, it was like that dude Bernie that ran it? which one it's like i'm try- i can't think of the name i feel like it's so long ago but i feel like it was on reed street maybe like it was like an old
1: white dude named bernie
0: that ran it but
1: it they- oh no <laughs> yo you talking about that music store i think that used to be on the corner of like park and saratoga and okay. it was like it was like right on the corner there was like i don't know if it's still there but there's like a uh a, a, a little shop across the street called Blue sky or something like that. That sold like breakfast all day or something. Yeah. But that, yeah, that that record store. That was another place we used to go in, and, and we used to be able to find like a lot of a lot of stuff there. It was like right. It was right on the corner of um yeah yeah, yeah Parker Saratoga.
0: And they had if, if we're talking about the same place, it's like they had all the club shit there. Yeah. 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 Yep, they, yep, they had like all the club shit. Up, the upstairs, shit was. I think.
1: No, no, no. That's the that's the place that's across the street now. Okay. But then. uh Wish no, yeah, you took more on Park called. Avenue. Yeah, 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 yep. You could get all the club shit from there. Um, But the spot where Scotty B worked at, too, is the same. You know, DJ Booby Tapes. Um, I used to rock. DJ, I was a big DJ Booby fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've always loved club music. Like, yeah. Baltimore club music is my shit.
0: And that, okay, so, yeah, it would be like the dudes you were kind of looking up to. It was kind of like they just had their their tapes or whatever selling Mm hand-to-hand or just in these record stores. Mm -hmm. I remember
1: Porkchop, who's on 92Q now. Porkchop was the first artist, and I don't know if there was any artist that did it before him, but Porkchop was the first rapper that I saw with a commercial for his album from Baltimore on BET. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was like really going for it. I yeah, say, yeah. MC. He had this joint called Tonight's the Night We Fight. Whether Ron Beats or Mike's, Choose your weapon, Weapon, Gun Ammunition for MCs who think they top D's. Like, yo, that joint, I, I fucked with pork chop. Mm. And I had been seeing pork chop in the ciphers, you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. was a student, you know what I mean? I just, I was afraid to jump in back then because right, right, them right. dudes was like, you know, them dudes was like, they was like, they were masters at that shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just, I was just trying to soak it up, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you went to Wild, you moved to Wild Lake at, at some yeah, point in yeah. high school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like uh, halfway through my junior year in high school.
0: That's like the most extreme
1: right? living switch you can Yo, possibly do. Yo, it was do. Crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I I walked around probably for the first month I was at that school. I didn't talk to anybody. I wasn't interested. I remember the day that my mother, because my mother tried to, like, commute us to the School for the Arts at first. Yeah. And we kept being late, you know what I mean, because different reasons. She, You know, we were moving slow or we get stuck in traffic and all this stuff. And and one morning she just was like, I'm taking y'all out of the school. And, and me and my sister Naya were like, we stood there and, like, argued with her. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go to school out here. Like, you moved us out here to this county. Now we're going to have to go to school with these 90210-type motherfuckers. <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't feeling it, yo. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, I, like, and even at the school, like, once I got there, it just was like, yo, like, coming from the inner city and not being somebody at that time, I wasn't somebody who carried it, like, You know a street nigga you know what I'm saying like but I seen some real shit and I've been through some real shit you know what I mean and it was annoying to see kids with two-car garages and you know nice homes you know walking around like you know with baggy jeans and tims and trying to be like you know I didn't understand at that time that like hip-hop was becoming like a culture and a style and like a way of life to me, it was like, oh, these these motherfuckers are trying to imitate what's happening in the city. You don't have to act like that because right, you, right. You're, you're actually really privileged. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it was a big it was a big change socially for me. I hadn't been around kids with money before. Yeah, you know what I mean? And um, I never forget like this girl coming in class and crying because her mother wouldn't get her uh, the Lexus she wanted for her 16th birthday, and she was like. Ooh. She, yo, she came in like disheveled, like hair all over the place, looked like she'd been crying all night. And she's plopped down in front of me, and her friend is like, What's wrong? And she's like, Um, my mom just told me last night that like she's not gonna give me the Lexus. She's gonna give me a fucking Camry. <laughs> Yo, and she was she was livid. Yeah. Like and I'm sitting there like, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Like I saved up seven hundred dollars to buy my first car It was a Hyundai XL hatchback. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like I didn't I did I couldn't relate to a lot of them kids. So there were certain kids that came from me, the DC or Baltimore moved out there because at this time they was tearing down the projects. Yeah. So there was, like, the whole move to opportunity and Section 8, you know, was putting families, like, started putting families, like, in the suburbs. Right, right. And so there were certain kids that I knew, you know, were from, like, you know, um, Flag or or Latrobe or, you know, Lexington Terrace, Murphy Homes, and Southeast D.C. You know what I mean? We 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 kind of bonded with each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's sort of, but but like, as far
0: as like racially or whatever, Columbia, it was always like some black people in the mix, right? Yeah, it was like,
1: founded. It was founded for like interracial couples, I th- right, I, right? Well, that's what I hear. That I've heard it It too, was a place yeah. that like, you know, because you couldn't, <laughs> much like it was just recently, like you couldn't even get married in Baltimore until like something like 1980 or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you couldn't, if you weren't an interracial couple, you couldn't get married in Baltimore. Yeah. And so some people, but you could get married in D.C. And I think Columbia was built as like a place in between where, you know, because I went to school with a lot of mixed kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, there was like, there was black kids there, there was white kids there, but there were a lot of uh, interracial kids who, you know, were either like black and white or Asian yeah. and black or, you know, my first day at Wild Lake, I remember me and my sisters coming out to school, and it was like a big ass like race fight. It was like mm. it was like twenty, I, like twenty black kids like fighting like ten white kids. Yeah. With somebody called somebody a nigga. Yeah, yeah. And I and I remember watching that shit and being like, okay, this is. <laughs> This is what's going on here right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess... So so I think at that time it was because of the kind of, you know, movement of, you know, black inner city kids coming out there. And I think that, like, had a lot to do with the, you know, kind of dynamic of certain white kids and dealing with black kids, you know. But there was always, like, I feel like at Wild Lake there was always, like, a a consensus for the most part. Most people were, like, not racist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. It was just like, you know, I mean, everybody grew up with everybody out there, so it was like... Yeah. It's kind of like the most liberal part of, like, Maryland in a way. Yeah. To, you know? It, it, I mean, it was supposed to be. I don't I don't yeah. think it is now. And And one of the things that I noticed when I lived out there was that there is there was like some kind of gentrification i guess you know like the the, yeah. the apartment complexes were almost all black you know what uh-huh. i mean and but you you know but you didn't have as many like black families that were homeowners and yeah. you know living in like some of the communities my mother got out there on a, on you know the move the opportunity uh Voucher, it was like Section 8, you know. And so, but she found a house in Clary's Forest, which is like the end of 175, and it's a really, really nice neighborhood. You Uh know what I mean? So it was, it was, I don't know, I don't know why I'm thinking about this now. I haven't really thought about it in a long time, but it was a crazy thing to be from the inner city moving to Columbia to like one of the nicest neighborhoods in Columbia. Yeah. And then riding my bike down to like the apartment complexes, you know what I'm saying, to hang out with
0: Right, right. People I
1: could relate to. You know what I'm saying? So it was like it was that was I I don't know, that was an interesting time. I haven't really thought about it much.
0: Is that where you are, where you get the ultimatum of like go to the Navy or get out?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was we were living in Columbia. Okay. And um I had graduated from Wild Lake. Um, I didn't apply to any colleges except the Broadcasting Institute of Maryland, and then I like overslept like my first orientation day or some shit, mm. and just like being a stupid, you know, teenager, yeah, rapper nigga. <laughs> I just, uh, <laughs> I just was like, fuck it, you know what I mean? Like, I'ma just do this rap shit. You feel me? Yeah. And uh, my mother was like, no, you're not, not on my dime. Like, you gotta, uh you gotta get out. Or, yeah. You know, but she had always said when I was growing up because there was so many of us nine. It's nine of us, six of us when I was growing up. Yeah, six of us in the house for the most part. And she'd always be like, "You turn eighteen, get the fuck, you yeah. gotta go." Like, yeah. You know, I love you, but I gotta. You know, it's too many of y'all in here. Like,
0: yeah.
1: You turn eighteen, you can't hang around here. You can't be living here when you're 25. You know, so I think that you know, yeah, that was that was like, yeah. yeah. So. And what's that like like going
0: from like you know being this aspiring musician to being in the navy basically
1: It it felt really really restricted you know what I'm saying and 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 I didn't like I did I loved the discipline I needed the discipline yeah but I didn't like people's comfort in that kind of like restriction you know what I'm saying like a lot of people were very cool with like always being told what to do what to wear how to wear your hair yeah how to act how to walk how to talk you know what I'm saying yeah. like it just was I, that was crazy like that was like four years of i i think that was when i really understood that like yo i must be an artist like i cannot mm. i cannot survive in this atmosphere and uh, yeah and uh, one thing i've always wondered is
0: the dis I I can't even imagine what like the discipline is of like being in the army or something or the navy like is it like it's a weird question but is it like transferable like like can you like are you just being disciplined because you're being like screamed at all the time or do you actually like no like, you, you you well
1: in and Na- I know I know in something? the navy I don't really know about uh, I don't know much about the other branches but yeah. I know in the navy they always uh. They always, and I think this, this, you know, this is this is cool we having this conversation because I'm, like, realizing stuff right now hmm. that makes sense. But, like, um, they were always big on attention to detail. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. remember that being, like, a big thing in the Navy. You know what I'm saying? It was like, it wasn't just you were being yelled at. You were being yelled at because you didn't do it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think that that gave me... You know thinking about it now, like you know that gives me the ability to like work well with other artists because if somebody can be honest with me and say, "You know you need to straighten this up, you need to fix that then i my ego is not so big that it's like, yeah no it's it's fine, right you know right, what I mean right. it's like you know attention to detail, you know, so yeah, that was like a that was a big thing I took away from it, like learning how to be more of a you know more accurate and specific on stuff.
0: Okay. And and you're like I guess you're in like the beginnings of like the war and shit like in yeah, indirectly. the war in Iraq.
1: Yeah, that shit jumped off wow. uh 9/11 happened a year before I got out. Yeah. Um so yeah, it was uh I remember getting mess you know secret messages about cuz I was a radio man. I worked in it became IT, but we basically worked in like uh we were the communication center of the ship. Yeah. So we kept contact with you know other ships and shore and all that stuff. And I remember getting messages about like you know surveillance on certain stuff and and you know, I kn- we we knew something was going to happen something was about to happen, you know what I mean? We just didn't know what. I was yeah. in there when um, USS Cole got hit. You know, I remember oh, wow. um, there was a, a, a dude that went to my A school, which is a school you go to after boot camp. He was on that ship and one of the ones that died, you know, and uh, it was a crazy time. That was wow. It was Bush, you know, Bush was in the office. And, yeah. You know what I mean? He was, like, caught up when. You know, getting back at his, getting back at his dad's enemies. it yeah. felt like you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know what the whole foreign policy was around that, but I, that's how we felt. You know, that we were being dragged into a war.
0: Like, what are you listening to at the time? If you know,
1: you're in the navy, you're still,
0: you yeah. still have this. Musical.
1: I used dream, to clean. Yeah. I used to clean up the I used my my job in the morning because everybody has a job on the ship. Yeah, I think that was the cool shit about being on the ship was that you really learned. You know, I I don't think it had occurred to me before that like you know everybody has to take care of this place. You know. Yeah. We even have to fight our own fires, and you know you can't you out in the middle of the ocean you can't call the fire department. So you know, so every morning I had it, my job was to clean up the the hallway, mop the hallway and sweep and everything right outside of radio. Yeah, and I used to listen to Bilal's uh, first born second. I used to blast that shit. I used to blast sometimes, like all like that was my shit. Um, the first Eminem at the time was my shit. I was listening to uh, um, a lot of. I mean, I always been a fan of the Roots, um, so I'd always listen to that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so but Bilal at that time was probably my favorite artist at that time. Yeah, Joe Scott Bilal. That whole Philly kind of movie yeah. started to happen and music soul child. I loved his first album. So, what
0: what was it about that stuff that that captured your attention?
1: I think I think it reminded me of um when I was when I was younger in New York and we lived in Washington Heights. My father it was a part of a collective called um, Struggle Shop Theater okay, in Manhattan. And Struggle Shop Theater used to have these jam sessions um, in the basement of either our building or the building next door, but I remember it was, like, in the basement. Mm. And um, there were these jam sessions, you know, and artists, you know, would come and they would rock until, like, three hours of the morning. And I think that Neo Soul movement reminded me of that, you know, it was like, people with locks and afros and dashikis yeah. and incense burning and oils and you know what I mean all that stuff was like it it brought me back to that time mm. you know so I was I was really intrigued by that and I liked that whole that whole movement I thought that whole soulful movement was dope
0: I guess it's more like it's more like a openness to it or something
1: i was familiar with it too you know what i'm saying i yeah. think like i think like even though it was all original music i was familiar with the messages yeah it was the first time you started to hear more you know positive messages you know about like you know being one with the universe and loving your family and you know what i mean stuff like that and you know uh uh you know sending sending giving respect and praise to the ancestors and yeah. those kind of things I had been hearing, you know, in my village growing up. Yeah. But I never, like, really heard it on the radio or the yeah. music, you know what I'm saying? And seeing, like, you know, so to see, like, Erykah Badu doing, you know, uh, an unplugged show with, like, incense and shit, you know what I mean? It was yeah. like It was like, oh, wow, that's dope. Like, you know what I mean? This is popular, like, the <laughs> you know, part of the way I grew up. Yeah, yeah, I like especially with like listening to the Roots and Dice Raw and uh hearing, you know, the Philly Tales it was always like Philly, I mean, hip hop always I felt like I could identify with, you know, the stories being told with stuff that was going on in Baltimore, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just it just was at that time there wasn't as many Baltimore artists that were on a, you know, on a on, the, on that stage, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so to hear, you know, Black Thought, uh, you know, w- with all his, with all his, you know, consciousness and positive messages, Yeah. also talk about having the burner on him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, keeping his gun on him. And I could, we, you know, we could relate to that in Baltimore, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, even now, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain situations where I know that I'm better off if I have my gun on me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And if, and I'm not like a gun. You know, I'm not like, you know, you you'll never hear me rapping about like put bullets in your frame, but when it's just like you come from certain environments and it's just like it's what you have to do. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. just like so I could I could I could I could relate to that, but then it was also mixed with that positivity. It's like, you know, it's like, look. Uh uh arrested development was a huge influence on me with mm. that. Because arrested development came with that kind of, you know what I mean, flavor that was like, you know, that was like, yo, we we can get down with you, but we'd be better off if we like come together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. love and peace. You know what I mean? But like, if you wanna take it there, Slim, we could take it there. You know yeah. what I mean? And I always felt like that was also a big, like, Baltimore mentality, you know, this and it still is. I think there's certain places where you you can be in Park Heights and be okay. You know what I mean. You can be in, um, you know, any of these, any any rough areas. You know, over over like York Road, Cold Spring. You know what I'm saying? Area where, you know, any 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 of the areas where it's like rough. Mm-hmm. You could be there in Baltimore and be okay as long as you're cool. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but if you come in trying to act like you this or you that, and you know you're trying to shit on people or you're trying to you know, it's like, yo, you know, like, nah, we're not taking Yeah. That. People, like Baltimore, like, you know, people who are really living in that, that street life, you know what I'm saying? They like pit bulls, you know what I mean? They can smell the fear. Yeah. And if they smell the fear, then they're going to come for you because that's all they know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I gotta I got to get mines and I got to find somebody to get it from. You know, so, like, you come in scared, you look scared, you look shaking, you know, or you're acting funny, you're acting antisocial, they're going to they gonna come for you. You know what I mean? But if you come in and you letting everybody know, like, you know, my, my daughter asked me, she said, why did you just speak to them just now? Do you know them? And I was like, no, but I'm not afraid to speak to people I don't know. You know, that's what the city has taught me, you know what I'm saying? Growing up, is like, walk in the room, introduce yourself, you know, show love, mm. you know what I'm saying? Crack some jokes. You know what I mean? Be a, be a cool dude, you know, and you'll be all right. I think uh the city gets a bad rap for its negativity. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've been telling people like, you know, I know I know the rough side, you know, I know I know the I know the fucked up stories. I know, you know, I got family members and friends and stuff that have been affected. But that's not the majority of the Baltimore that I know. You know, my hood right, right. is taking care of me a lot of times. You know, I've been in situations where, you know, especially when I was younger, you know what I mean? Like, um, where just on the strength that I could rhyme, you know what I'm saying, and that I was talented, somebody would be like, yo, leave shorty alone. mm you know what I'm saying, like yeah. yo, it, there was a couple, you know, it, you know, I done been in some brawls and I done won some, got my ass whooped, I've been banked. Yeah. But there have been there have been several times I can remember coming up where somebody would walk up and be like, yo, leave Shorty alone. Like yo, actually Shorty is dope. Like Shorty can rhyme. Did you know he can rhyme? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? And then it turned to this whole thing, and now it's like I was just about to get my ass whooped, and now I got a rap for y'all.
0: You know what I'm saying, like (laughs) yeah, yeah. Okay, so you get out of the navy,
1: Mm. and then what what are you doing from there? Are you? I had to come home. I had to come home. I had to come home. I had to come back to Baltimore, and I had to get back into. I had to get into the music scene. Yeah, you know, I really. I I I remember. And what year
0: is this? Sorry to cut you. This is
1: O two. Okay. This is. I came home in October of O two, and I remember. a few months before I got out I remember reading an article where Russell Simmons was saying if the people from your city don't know you then it's going to be harder for you to get our attention yeah you know, if we check yeah. back if we check back to where you're from and nobody knows you yeah how can you expect to you know how can you expect a, us a label to invest in you so i so i took that very seriously and i was like yeah. i'm coming home And I want my name to be known in my city before I go anywhere. Because I could have, you know, I was stationed in Virginia. I got out. I had no kids. I had no obligation. I could have went anywhere in the world. And then my thought thought at one point was I'm going to move to L.A. or New York. And I'm going to try to, like, make it in the music industry. You know what I'm saying? But when I read that article from Russell Simmons, that was when I think you started to slowly see a shift in, like, independent music, too. Yeah, you know what I mean, because totally. you started to see people with like local followings or or you know underground followings, and they were really living off of it. So that was that was like a big thing for me. I was like, yo, I got to go back to Baltimore. I got to make sure that my city know me, and I want to represent them. Like I want, I want, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be this dope MC from Baltimore who moved to New York and got on, and nobody at home has ever seen him perform or heard right, any of his right. music. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I was like, I got to come home, you know what I mean? And uh, my moms needed help at the time with my brothers and sisters. And I just, you know, I just wanted to be back, 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 back home, man. Yeah. You know, I wanted to have crabs and crab cakes and go down the hop and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So the, the grind of, of getting known as a as a solo artist, like how does that
1: take shape? initially it was i mean i think i was really intimidated at first like i started to like i was when i first came home i was coming to like the five seasons um i was going to five seasons when it used to be on charles street yeah and uh and uh uh, now child soundstage and back then yeah now child soundstage was like was like popping and you know you had serious b brownfish and Groups like that coming through and performing, and yeah. Olu Butterfly and Edipo and MC I had recognized from before I went in the Navy and like uh, you know being down uh, the spot called Supreme Oasis. No, not I'm sorry, not Supreme Oasis. Um, I, I it'll come to me, but there, yeah, there was uh, Supreme Imperial. Oh yeah, Supreme yeah, Imperial yeah. used to be on Saratoga Street and they had these ciphers. I was too young to get in, but somehow. I'd talk my way into just being a flower on the wall. So to come oh, back okay. home and see like see the see these artists like it was intimidating for me at first, you know, yeah. fifth out. So I just I just really was a fan, you know what I mean? I was soaking it up. And a couple of times I'd get up there with the little stuff that I wrote, you know, but um I really was just learning, you know what I mean? Trying to, yeah. and and I spent quite a few years doing that. And then one day after I was like brownfish blew me away, you know, when they were coming and performing I said, well, I want to start a band. And so yeah. I reached out to Ryan Dorsey, who was uh, a good friend from high school, and we had some jam sessions at his house before. You know, after a few years of being home and, you know, going through, like, a religious moment, you know, I, I put out, like, a a solo kind of gospel CD. Singing? Like gospel rap.
0: Oh, gospel rap. And singing. Rap. I mean,
1: I was singing on it, too, but it was, like, gospel rap. But uh, it was crazy because... If you listen to that album, like, nowhere on there do I say the name Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And I always wondered if I would get called out for that. But for some reason, it was always, like, cheesy to me. You know what I mean? And I knew that that people were going to like it universally, and I always wanted—anyway. And that all went down—like,
0: becoming religious in a big way kind of went down— after all, oh, after the
1: navy, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That was home. like a. It was probably like a year or two after I came home. Yeah, you know what I mean. What, I,
0: what I, was the the inspiration?
1: Or I the, was, I was, I was broke, man. You know what I mean. Like I had spent all my money that I saved up. Yeah. In the navy, I had exhausted all of my unemployment, and um, I found myself like a lot of times very much alone. You know what I mean? And just high and drunk and like, you know, and and I was like, um, I was looking for something. You know what I mean? And and my first wife, she was like this devout apostolic girl. And I thought she was beautiful. And so I was listening to what she had to say about Jesus, you know, and and she took me to church and uh, gave my life to Christ, received the Holy Ghost and all that. And um, I spent three years, like, very much dedicated to Christianity. Yeah. And then um, once that era, once that came to a close, like, once I realized, like, oh, wow, like, what I was thinking before I came to this church was actually right. Like, (laughs) God is love. Like, God is not, like, you know, this this restricting kind of religion. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, and I, you know I, I don't know what it was. The day after we found out that, you know, our pastor was like, you know, fucking around on his wife and all of this stuff, like, and we ended up leaving the church and like all this stuff. Like the day after, I remember writing like one of the dopest rhymes I had written in a long time. Mm. You know what I mean? I, 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 I visibly remember sitting in the parking lot of the Bank of America on, um, on. Caton and uh, was that Hammonds Ferry right there? Oh yeah, yeah. Like next to the McDonald's. I remember sitting in that parking lot, like while my wife was in the bank or something like that, and 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 crafting like this new style. Mm. You know, I think that experience had just like done something to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So not long after that, I started Soul Cannon. That was when I reached out to Ryan Dorsey. We put Soul Cannon together. Um, cuz i was seeing brownfish man and i was like wow like brownfish and Sirius b and these bands like they were giving they were giving you something other than just you know dudes walking back and forth across the stage rapping you yeah. know what i was saying like dj play track 3 you know what i mean they were giving you a show i didn't i actually didn't
0: realize brownfish was a live man at first the first time i saw him it was it was just with the dj the first time we saw them? Mm-hmm. Which was well, I mean, that
1: was like two thousand and eight or something. I'd always like that. seen them I'd always seen them with Jahiti. You know, and, and yeah. so Jahidi to me bought like I guess Jahiti to me bought the band aspect because Right, right. You're right. They just had they had um Vertex doing the beats, you know what I mean, and and, and I think DJing and uh and but when Jahiti when I would see Jahiti I you know I guess that that live instrument was the was the part to me that made me think like I want to do something different and then I yeah. had met ooh, you know what I'm saying early on, like rapping, and you know he was somebody that I felt like was like you know uh a level to aspire to get to, yeah you know skill wise and and showmanship, you know what i mean i was I was very like impressed by yo
0: and he so so even when you were more like shy about everything he from the beginning he kind of always
1: yeah i met him through my sisters man like my sister had a friend my sister has a friend named triana who for a short time was in brownfish oh okay and so who had come to the house the first time i met him he had come to the house to pick my sisters up yeah and so my sisters was all like you gotta meet you got to meet this dude. You got to meet these dudes, like. Yeah. And telling them, like, you got to meet my brother. Like, he can rhyme, you know. So, so like, you know, we put something in the air and we get a cypher going in my living room. You know what I'm saying? And and I remember him going. He, like, stopped me. And he was like, that's dope. I like that. You got it. But check this out. And then, like, destroyed me <laughs> in my own living room. Like, just, like, <laughs> ate me alive, yeah. like, right there. And um. That hasn't happened to me too many times. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And when it when it has, I'm thankful that I never have been I guess I guess I'm thankful that I didn't keep that same like or sportsmanship that I had with basketball, with rap.
0: Yeah, it's like exciting in a way. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. yeah. But but basically you go right from the Christian rap album
1: to Soul Canon. Yeah. Which is kind of a wild leap. If you listen to the first album, Kaboom. I don't think I curse on there at all. If if I do, it's probably like one or two words. Like, yeah, I was still, I was even though I wasn't doing Christian rap anymore, I was still doing clean rap because, you know, for a long time I didn't curse in my rhymes because my my mother would be like, yo, like, it takes more skill to like say what you have to say without using the curse word so now when I do use it it's like you know it has a, a reason behind it but yeah. during that time you listen to the early so okay. I remember Al Shipley or Michael Byrne I think it was Al Shipley like wrote a review no it was Michael Byrne I think wrote a review that was like of their first album that was like yo like it's it's kind of preachy or something like and he was saying like I was like still you know that I was being kind of preachy and but it wasn't corny. Like, you know, he basically yeah. said, like, he's pulling, like, they're pulling this off. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? But, uh, yeah. So so that was, like, that, that was the styling that I was doing. At the time, what was, like, the, the mission statement of the group? I think um, when we first got together, I had a different idea, I think, than the guys had. You know, I just wanted to be a hip-hop band. But I wanted to be a hip-hop band with, like, some musicians who were, you know, who were, like, interested in other kinds of music. Yeah. And I think I initially just wanted them to, (laughs) I think initially we started out, I wanted them to just recreate these beats that people had sent me. Right, know, right, right, right. And, and add their own flavor to it. Yeah. But then I found out, like, once I got around them, I was like, holy shit, like, these dudes are serious ass musicians. Right, right. And I'm blessed to have, you know, known Ryan Dorsey because, I mean, he ended up leaving the band, but, you know, he introduced me to Matt Frazal and John Burkholz and Nathan Elmer Bell. And early on, we had uh, uh, a friend of mine, Chanel, who also went to school for us. She was a singer in the early Soul Canon. Yeah. Um, we had a we had a vocalist, mm. you know. So it was like my idea was more like soul, hip hop, you know what I mean. But then I link up with these crazy like jazz cats from Peabody, yeah. And they're like, no, nah, like weird shit. Like you know, let's switch it up. Like let's go, you know. Let's let's do like you know. Let's rock it out, yeah. And it was fun, man. I learned so much. Like I learned so much from Soul Cannon. Like you know what I mean. And, we're still together. I'm doing more solo stuff now. But like, yo, like that, that, that era. I think, I think the mission statement originally, I, I would say was that um, once we all came to an agreement, it was just like, so can and can't be defined. Yeah. I liked like uh Brownfish's early approach or what they used to always say it was we're not the fucking roots. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I, I found myself, Saying that a lot of times to people, like you know, 'cause people be like, "Oh, you you got a band? What do you do?" And I say, "I rap." And it's like "Oh, like the Roots?" And like, no, it's not like the yeah. Roots. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm a huge Black Thought fan. Right, People right. have always said they could hear his influence in my rhymes sometimes, but like, I never wanted to replicate that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we wanted to. I think in the beginning I kind of did, but once I started to hear their ideas and the music that they listened to, yo, we used to do something dope. When we first got together so that we could like figure out each other's influence. Uh-huh. We used to make mix CDs where we would email Ryan three songs that we liked and that we were listening to. Yeah. And he would put it all on a CD. And make copies for all Oh, of that's us. cool. So we listen to, you know, each other's shit. So yeah. I got so through them I got put onto a lot of dope stuff. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? I had never listened to Radiohead before. I had never listened to um um a lot of j a lot of jazz, like spe- you know, specifically yeah. like a lot of jazz stuff. Um 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 uh they put me onto like Deer Hoof and you know what I mean, these kind of like crazy they put me on the U. Oh. T- yeah, like Ryan, you know Ryan, like put me on to height height with friends, and you know what I'm saying like uh uh, uh um celebration, and, which is celebration is one of my favorite yeah. favorite Baltimore bands, Definitely. um Dan Deacon and the whole Wham City movement. Yeah. I didn't know nothing about any of that stuff, mm. so it was like it was real cool to collaborate with them cats because we would. It was it was definitely like a fun learning experience, especially in our early days.
0: Yeah, and in me seeing Soul Cannon, I feel like I saw a change. I feel like when when actually when we played together at the Hexagon, yeah, that that it was more like, oh, this is the most like crazy like abrasive wild shit I, I've ever seen. Yeah, kinda, you know, and like like was that just kind of like a natural.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, once once Ryan left the band, um, Matt Frasow started to, and even like a little bit before Ryan left, um, I feel like Ryan and Matt and John they started to write these like you know weird songs. You know what I mean? They yeah. started to rehearse them, and and it was it was like oh hell yeah, you know like why yeah. why stay in the four four? When, you know, and they were breaking this shit down to me, like, knowing I didn't know much about music, but that I was open, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they'd break it down to me, and they'd be like, yo, like, you could rap, you know, in five, or you could, you know, yeah. you could do this, you know what I mean? Like, and so, yeah, it definitely was like that. After Ryan left the band, we started to get, you know, a lot more crazy with it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the more brownfish
0: kind of people and maybe the more jazz Peabody kind of people and the like copycat kind of people. It seemed like everybody was into it sort of. Yeah. And, I, I, that was my, stayed with it. I
1: think that's always been my favorite thing about doing shows with Soul Canyon, Yeah, is that because we all come from, we all came from different walks of life. Our audience from the beginning, our fans were very diverse. You know what I mean? And I, I even remember at one point, um, actually one of, one of the turning points for us, I think locally was right after ryan right after Ryan left the band, there was a a show that we did at club reality, and I remember being dumb nervous about the show because it was my first time coming back to the more black open mic crowd yeah, and you know after like once I started doing Soul Cannon, we could only get booked with like punk bands and shit you know what I'm saying right there wasn't a lot of like you know hip-hop crowds we could really or venues that we could play at you know so so to come back to club reality to come well come to club reality and it used to be the turntable club we had done some shows at turntable club yeah and it never really went that well because it wasn't a setup for a band you know what I mean like the turntable club was set up for a mc and a dj yeah But club reality was more like set up for a band. And I remember it being packed in there. Yeah. And I remember us doing one of our best sets ever. And gaining that respect of my, you know, open mic crowd, yeah. you know, and the black crowd was 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 everything from there. I remember that being a turning point. Like when we rocked that club reality show, it was like it just it broadened our fan base and put us in a different category. Yeah. I
0: I, I just always got this feeling kind of like there was people that maybe like they're not necessarily dying to hear some shit that's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like they're not like, I can't get enough of that, but they right. just conceptually appreciate it so much mm-hmm. that it kind of everybody gets on board or, mm-hmm. or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's that was the dope shit to me about Deerhoof. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like Deerhoof. That's why they're one of my favorite bands because you they're know awesome. nobody, nobody's ever like you know. I want to hear a, a Japanese girl with a weird voice like sing over some wild crazy yeah. shit. But then when you hear it, it's like, oh my god, it's amazing. And then if you go see their show, like it's like, whoa.
0: It's, there's something so moving to me about about like. Shit, that's that that crazy, but still like appeal to people. Yeah, the like like being in a room full of people that that are like that are like so excited about something that is sort of just insanity. Yeah, or <laughs> something like that. It
1: kind of reminds you. Of, well, not reminds me. It, it reminds me. I think, and and I, I remember the first time feeling like that was when um my. My 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 youngest sister's father was like a huge Parliament funkadelic fan, mm. and I remember looking at those records and going, "What the fuck? Like y'all really used to dress up all crazy yeah, like this, yeah. and people came out. And yeah, they also dressed up like
0: yeah. You know what I mean? And like <laughs> it's like the coolest time ever, kind
1: of. <laughs> right? You know, it's just like it's just interesting. That like you know, you're right. Like when you know people what what. I think I think what we're saying is like it's interesting to see how well you will be received when you just try something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know I think a lot of people are will take the easy route and just carbon copy or do something that's already been done. Right, right, right. But people subconsciously are always looking for something different. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: You already have kids at this point and in Soul Cannon. Yeah, right? yeah. I had, I had,
1: I had my um. Actually, my second daughter was born the night of our third show. Oh wow. Yeah, That's in 2006, wild. November 12th, 2006, and the night of November 11th, we had done, we had only done our third show. So I had, I had two kids most of the time that we've yeah. been a band, and then um, my youngest daughter Zadie was. You know, she'll be. She was. She came around 2011. And what what was it like trying to balance like
0: it's, being? I mean, it, you know, it
1: was and still is second nature for me. Really? Yeah, because because I grew up in a in a family of artists, and my mother was a poet. You know what I mean? So, you know, if if she could, she would take us to poetry readings with her. Yeah. You know, um, and if she couldn't, she would get us a sitter. But I always knew that she had to do that. She was a poet. Yeah, I mean, she at times she would have nine to fives and stuff like that. But I knew that she was a poet. So for me to know that I'm an MC, you know, it's like the kids come and I just have, you know, we just got to work around that because right. I can't. For me, it was. It's always been like I can't honestly look my daughter in her eyes and say you can be whatever it is you want to be in life knowing that once she came around I just stopped. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. Like that's, you know, that's children are not an excuse for not right. for not right. f- following your dreams. In fact, they should be an inspiration. Yeah. So, but it is scary. It's scary like cuz it's it's a responsibility, you know what yeah. I mean? But but for me it was always just second nature. It was just like, yo, you know, I got them, you know?
0: Like, yeah. when we did
1: the Rap Round Robin, we I came to Soundcheck. I walked up in Copycat with my kids with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I bring them with me if I have to. You know, we Soundcheck, took them took them to my sister, came back and rocked the show. You know what I yeah. mean? You just got to make it make it happen.
0: I, I was actually thinking the other day, like, in when Zayn grows up, is she going to have these memories of, like, Coloring in my basement And be, yeah. <laughs> being like Who are those
1: People <laughs> Like I have A struggle shop theater You know what I'm saying Yeah like, exactly you know, It's it's the same thing You know cool, I remember sir. You know So I, I want them to have Those memories I Yeah like, You know
0: At some point Is there a decision made That Soul Cannon Is Not The focus Anymore Or, or not Not The focus but, or At least As far as like to push forward to... Yeah, I mean, I, you music. know, I'm the
1: only one in Soul King that has children. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And when my third daughter was coming, I think they got kind of nervous about, you know, investing so much time. in, mm. And I don't think they could, at that time, really see, like, how I was going to continue to make it work. So everybody kind of started to... They all started to like put more focus into their other stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Their other bands, their other projects. I think around that time, Matt had started Out of Your Head. You know what I'm saying? It was really focused on that. And it was cool. I mean, we were still getting together, we were still doing shows. But it, I, I started to see that oh, this is not a priority for everybody anymore. Mm. And it's cool. I mean, you know, yeah. it happens. I mean, and then also, yo, we went we went five years. Like, we went real hard right, for right. like five years straight. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, four-hour rehearsals in the middle of the night, twice a week, Yeah, you know, writing and performing, you know, at least three, four times a month, even getting on the road sometimes. And spend, you know, we, we went so hard. It was like, it just felt like, Everybody just kind of started to look at other stuff, and that's when I started to say, "I don't want Soul Cannon to be my only musical project." You yeah, know what I mean, like I, 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 this thing is in me. Like I rap, so that's yeah. when I started doing solo stuff again.
0: Yeah. So to take it up to present day, um, you got the you got the debut album about to drop. Mm-hmm. So
1: How long has it been in the works? Kind of, kind of a long time Man, but... yeah like like really like four years honestly yeah. like I've scrapped I've scrapped the whole project a couple times mm. I've rewritten it I've renamed it I've you know added new songs taken away songs and, and you know it's just been one of them things where I feel like the timing is right now you know what I mean like yeah you know and it's some of the stuff that I've been through personally it's just like I gotta I gotta put this stuff out because it's the, the music has really been what's kept me going. You know yeah. What I mean? That's cool.
0: That's cool. And got the September debut. Yeah, September 2nd.
1: Live now. Love is victorious every day, no other way. Um, And uh, going on tour with you. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Hitting the road for the first time as a solo artist. I'm hitting the road. So I'm really, really excited about about that.
0: I'm like real excited to have you in the mix and like
1: no, I'm I'm honored man like really awesome. like I said you know when I like so kind of put me on to you man you know when you came and played with us in Frederick that first time I had never seen I had never met anybody so you know I I, I you were one of the you're one of the few artists that I heard about and was surprised by how much of a good guy you were you know what i'm saying <laughs> like yo you kept apologizing for having to like split i felt you
0: know like
1: I mean? an asshole yeah but like we yo we had played with so many bands who done that shit and, right, uh, right. give a fuck you know but what I'm that's saying? the thing i'm the like dude that never does that so i felt like yeah no <laughs> but i know and, 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 but, got, but i'm yeah. sitting there like for my first time like Who are we, for Height to be apologizing to us? Like, yo, what the fuck? Like, yo, like, we jumped at doing this, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, hell yeah, we're going to play with Height, you know what I mean? You know, and you were like, you really came back on your promise. Like, you were like, yo, I'm going to book us a dope Baltimore show. You know, just like, you know, I'm really sorry. And sure enough, yo, you came back and booked that Hexagon show, man. That shit was fucking dope. Like, you know, that shit was awesome. To give proper credit. Not me that booked
0: that show. Oh, but it didn't come to. I feel like it was somebody in Soul Cannon. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think John booked it. Oh, okay. I could be wrong though. Okay. But cool, man. I think that about wraps it up. Yeah, man.
1: Well, thanks, man. Thank you. This is so interesting. Much. I don't think I've talked about myself this long before.
0: Yes. That's it, man. I had a great time talking with Easy. Be sure to look out for this Continental MCs tour and for both of our new albums that drop that same week, first week of September. And we'll see you next week.